0: You are listening to The Big Finish Podcast and nothing in the world can stop you now. Hello, Big Finish Productions are the purveyors of fine audio drama and audiobooks. We're very probably most famous for our Doctor Who range, featuring adventures with all the Doctors from the 1st to the 11th so far, but that's not all. We produce audio productions of Torchwood, Blake's Seven, Dark Shadows, The Avengers, Survivors, The Omega Factor, Sherlock Holmes, The prisoner hence the music night of the triffids the confessions of dorian gray treasure islands dracula frankenstein the phantom of the opera terror hawks the sigmund freud files the list goes on i'm nick briggs i work here here's my son he's six years old and he doesn't work here he's just joining in hi ben That's a strange owl. Uh, How are you today, Ben? (laughs) Is that the only comment you're making?
1: Okay. You're
0: okay. Sorry, I've interrupted you doing something, haven't I, to uh, get you up here to do this podcast. What were you doing?
1: Uh, Playing Disney Infinity.
0: Okay, and uh, thank you for rattling your strange little owl for us. (laughs) No, thanks. Thanks, Ben. Uh, there'll be some questions for you later. Right? Okay. Pe- people have written in to ask you things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that your official reaction to that? Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: No, this is my official
1: reaction.
0: <laughs> I thought it was mine. Okay, just hang in there, Ben. All right. Anything you want to say, just speak up.
2: Oh, just do this. Okay.
0: Yeah. Maybe not do that. What can you expect from this podcast? Well, Big Finish news, emails from our listeners, a guest star interview, a random revisiting of an archive Big Finish release, a reminder of the latest releases, and part 11 of our nine-part serialisation of The Hound of the Baskervilles. Can you see anything wrong with that, ben? Part 11 of a nine-part
1: serialisation? Oh, part 11 of a nine... <laughs> Because 11 bigger than 9.
0: Exactly, yes. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson have gone a little um, crazy on the Grimpin and <laughs> and it's more parts than we expected it to be. Uh, the guest star interview is with Terry Malloy. You may know him as Davros, creator of The Dreaded Daleks, or maybe, yeah, or maybe Mike Tucker from BBC Radio's long running serial drama The Archers. Yeah, that one. You know it. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: thank you, Ben. So now, the news. Cutic. It's exclusive. Adric returns. Adric's back. Back again. Yes, Adric's back. Tell a friend. Matthew Waterhouse returns to the worlds of Doctor Who in three brand new Doctor Who main range stories with Peter Davison, Sarah Sutton and Janet Fielding. That's not the noise of them, that's Ben rattling his strange little owl keyring. Okay, and stories include The Star Men by Andrew Smith, The Contingency Club by Phil Mulrine and Zaltis by Matthew J. Elliott. More details will be revealed soon. Yes, that's an official tease. They're not going to be revealed now. Adric's return follows in the footsteps of the seventh Doctor's reunion with Mel in next month's Doctor Who, A Life of Crime. And listeners can expect the return of a few other old friends across our next year of main range adventures. Ben, what are you doing? Do you want to go back and play Disney (laughs) Infinity? <clears throat> there are some new Sherlock Holmes details Holmes and Watson are back on the case In The Sacrifice of Sherlock Holmes Coming August 2016 Yes, we recorded those uh, a couple of months ago And had a fantastic time in the studio On a cold, wet, unforgiving day In the November of 1921 You've just knocked my um, tripod over, Ben Uh <laughs>
1: Before you could be down that way. Uh, did I? Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, okay. Uh, <clears throat> London is under attack. Drawn from retirement to combat the menace. Sherlock Holmes and John Watson are forced without warning to confront old enemies and new <laughs> not uh, pig key rings <laughs> and new threats. And an evil which has been waiting for decades to exact its revenge. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, this is called undermining the brand. Uh, the set is written by Jonathan Barnes and is available to pre-order now. Thank you. There's a new trailer for Unit Shutdown. Yeah. Dark Shadows: Echoes of the Past and The Avengers: The Lost Episodes Volume 6. They're all online now and here's a quick sneak peek of them. You have to decide which is which. Oh!
1: Ah! Ah! Ah!
0: Was
2: it that attacked you, did you
1: see? Not properly, but I'm pretty sure those things weren't human, they were strong. And they moved so quickly.
3: Why are you here? Are you the Reverend Trask? The boy asked, with a look of apprehension on his face. I am. Trask responded with as much dignity and pomposity as he could muster, which in his case was considerable. Ah! I'm sorry, I don't believe we've been introduced. This is Miss Wells, my personal secretary. Enchanted.
2: I'd better be getting back. Someone really should be in the outer office.
3: Steed here. Where the juice have you been, man? Well, I had a few appointments to attend to.
2: Since five a.m. Yes,
3: yeah, so I find five a.m.'s terribly good time to catch people in and out.
0: And finally, a quick reminder of two recent releases: Survivors Series Four. <coughs> <laughs> That's a pig and an owl. Well done. And Torchwood: Moving Targets. That was the news kindly compiled by Joe Smith, who isn't here today. And now, big finish emails. (laughs) Thanks, Ben. I'm just hoping you'll say something rather than just make random noises with key rings. Uh, If you want to say or ask anything, feel free to email us at podcast at bigfinish.com okay here's the first email Ben have a listen to this alright you ready okay are <laughs> uh, you in position yeah, yeah you're <laughs> the noisiest uh, podcast presenter I've, I've ever had uh, dear big finish this is from Ian Stapleton Re your most recent podcast more Ben Briggs please he was so great what do you think of that <laughs> Maybe say thanks, Ian. That's the noise of him hovering just above the ground. <laughs> Come down, Ben. Stop hovering. Keep up the excellent work. So many wonderful releases recently and so much to look forward to. You're right, Ian. Right. Uh, this is from Jim Hall. The most recent. Did you want to give your reaction, by the way? Are you ready? Have you finished humming? Or? Yeah. Okay. What's your reaction to him saying. Uh, More Ben Briggs, please.
1: Um, My reaction is thanks.
0: Oh, well, that's pretty good. Yes, anyway, back to Jim Hall. Sorry, Jim, leaving you in uh, limbo there. The most recent Big Finish podcast was a change of pace with the temporary guest host, Ben Briggs. But I'm a bit disappointed, Nick, that you didn't interview him about his starring role in two Big Finish releases. The Light at the End and the Peladon one. Was it The Bride of Peladon? No, wasn't it wasn't. It was The Prisoner of Peladon. Well, starring might be a bit much, says uh, Jim, but what? still, who gets to be in a big finish release at that age? Lucky. So, The Light at the End was our 50th anniversary. It was 50 years of Doctor mm-hmm. Who. And do you remember I recorded a little scene with you playing football? Oh, yeah. You too. Was remember? it Ananas? Yeah, that's right.
1: Oh, I remember, yeah.
0: We, I remember. We recorded it outside in the, uh, in the garden. Didn't we?
2: Yeah, I remember.
0: And I then, said I
1: remember. <laughs>
0: okay. and when um And when you heard it, do you remember what you asked, asked me? No. You asked me, uh, because in, in the scene, you, sa- yeah. you say daddy, and you, say, you said, why am I calling that man daddy? Do you remember that? No. <sighs> oh, well. Do you remember... uh, do you remember what the scene was about at all? No. You were playing football in the scene?
1: Yeah, I remember that.
0: And then the TARDIS crashed into the roof of the house?
3: What?! You didn't tell me that!
0: (laughs) No, sorry about that. And uh, you won't remember the prisoner of Peloton, shall I tell you why? Why? Because you were... A
2: baby. (laughs) Yeah,
0: you were a baby. And my friend Toby who was editing the production and doing all the sound effects he phoned me up and he said Nick I haven't got a convincing sound of a crying baby and I looked down and there you were sitting on the lying on the sofa asleep <laughs> So I got my rec- recorder out put it next to you and then I prodded you <laughs> And do you know what you did?
3: No. You went
0: <laughs> So I recorded it and <laughs> sent it straight to Toby. <laughs> so you're in that production, cry. <laughs> We've talked about you doing another one, haven't we?
1: It's so funny.
0: <laughs> Would you like to do another big finished production be in an audio play? Yeah. Okay. I've got one lined up for you.
1: Yeah, I remember you ha- you needed one where I needed to laugh.
0: That's right. And you
1: haven't done that yet, and you were going to just tickle me, <laughs>
0: <laughs> weren't you? Yes. You laugh quite a lot anyway, so... <laughs> That's quite terrifying. <laughs> I'll just finish this email, and then we'll have another question for you, all right?
2: Okay. I just- I just- Okay,
0: if you feel that helps. Uh, also, says Jim, my own recommendation from the Big Finish Archives, I sometimes like to re-listen to Museum Piece. That's a great one-off audiobook, especially if you've listened to Dalek Empire 1 and 2. And if not that one, I also really like Seasons of Fear. Oh, brilliant story by Paul Cornell. That, was, uh, that has Mr Carson from Downton Abbey in it. I recommend this one to friends all the time. Thank you, Jim from Minnesota, USA. Uh, yes, museum piece is a short trip's that uh, written by Jim Swallow that I did a recording of. Um, I don't know years ago, two thousand and six, I think. Yes, and it's going to be re-released soon in all its glory. Okay, on to the next email from Ben M. Hello, Big Finish Podcast. Firstly, I'm writing to congratulate you on an excellent month during May between Dracula, Vampire of the Mind and the 10th Doctor Adventures, not to mention Torchwood and the 4th Doctor Adventures, amongst others. The releases this month have been of the highest quality. Now, I did have a couple of questions. I've seen Big Finish credited on the DVD release for the Moonbase and the Ice Warriors. What was the role Big Finish had for those? Oh, yes, um, Big Finish was, uh, and I was associate producer, I think, Big Finish um, was helping with the, um, the animation of the missing episodes. Um, yeah, so, uh, yes, I think we sort of commissioned the animation. I remember overseeing all sorts of interesting bits of animation. Second, the wait until September for the early adventures is agonizingly long. Is there any chance they can become quarterly releases so the wait is never too long between stories? Well, we do have a lot coming out and people do complain there's a lot coming out at once. So we do have to sort of space things out. Finally, from one Ben to another, if he's present, are you present, Ben?
2: Yeah, I'm still here.
0: (laughs) Okay. What is your favourite monster? He says that his are the Cybermen. What's your favourite Doctor Who monster? Me. You?
3: Um,
0: (laughs) Oh, I see, right, yeah, yeah, yours. Is it?
3: Yes.
0: (laughs) I was just giving him a clue. So could you say what
2: it is? It's
1: the Daleks.
0: Is it really, or have I coerced you? Have I forced you to say that? No. Okay. Any other ones you particularly like?
1: Um, I don't have. Um, I have two favourites really. Yeah. Um, the Daleks and the Ice Warrior.
0: Oh right, you like the Ice Warrior one, did you? Wait, did
1: you do the voice of that one too?
0: Yeah, I did.
2: <laughs> Skarduck.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you did it.
0: Can you do a Ice Warrior voice? No. Can you do a Dalek voice?
1: Extra midnight.
0: That was just without hesitation. Brilliant. Thank you, Ben. Well, uh, Ben M is looking forward to uh, another month of excellent releases. OK, Ben, do you want to go back and play Disney Infinity now?
1: Uh, can I?
0: Yeah, of course you can. Okay,
1: call me up when you need me again.
0: OK, bye. Bye, I'll
1: see, you, I'll see you later.
0: Bye. The next email is from Paul Rogerson. Do you have any future plans to do a departure story for Ace? And I've enjoyed the War Doctor ones, but do you plan to do any young War Doctor ones? And on both the past two podcasts, you haven't answered this. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, We don't plan to do an Ace Departure story. And we don't have any plans to do a Young War Doctor series. Uh, But I wouldn't rule it out. I know I always say that. I I don't know what we do with the Young War Doctor in terms of casting. Write in with your suggestions. This from someone called ian i've just finished all five of the avengers the last episodes box sets and i'm eagerly awaiting numbers six and seven as a huge Avengers fan for many decades, it's to my shame that I showed little interest in the original first series of the programme. That is, until I finally bought the first big finish box set out of pure curiosity. Within two episodes, I was hooked and immediately ordered sets two to five. That's what we like to hear. These are absolutely stupid stunning release. Julian Wadham is superb as Steed and Anthony Howell is especially awesome as Keel. You've recreated the feel of those early 60s years flawlessly. I love them. Any chance you can continue with brand new Steed and Keel adventures beyond the original 26 lost television episode run? Here's hoping in Nipe. Well, Ian, I don't know. The the right situation is very intricate and delicate, but we're so pleased that with Studio Canal, we've been able to do these and really pleased that you love them. That noise in the background is Ben playing Disney Infinity and really enjoying himself. (laughs) I'm particularly proud of what David Richardson, Ken Bentley and the team have done on the Avengers Lost episodes. They've really uh, taken that production to their heart and done the most incredible work. Also great incidental music by Toby Robinson. Yeah. Super stuff. And that's the end of the emails. Time now for our guest star interview. Terry Malloy first played Davros in the fifth Doctor, Peter Davison's story, Resurrection of the Daleks. He then played it for the rest of the classic era of Doctor Who. And he's also the big Finnish Davros. Terry is an immensely versatile actor, and we've been lucky enough to have him in many, many times for Big Finish Productions, playing a whole range of characters. Indeed, he's probably heading towards holding the record for being in the highest number of Big Finish releases any actor has ever appeared in. He's a lovely, lovely man. I've known him for a few years now and it was my privilege to spend some time with him at the recent TimeGate 2016 convention in Atlanta, Georgia. That's America, folks. Where I conducted this interview. Q Terry. Hello, Nicholas Briggs. That's my first question. Just your name. Yes. (laughs) That's my my first answer. Okay. Could your second answer be about where we are?
4: Yeah, we are sitting in a now nicely air-conditioned room um, in a hotel in Atlanta, um, being surrounded by people in strange costumes and um, who, you know, do a lot of noises like Doctor Who makes. Does you know, <laughs> um, Doctor Who make a noise? <laughs> have you Just not met him recently? Yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and Nobody uh, here is wearing a costume. You're not wearing costumes, are you?
4: No, 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 no costumes. Oh, yes. no, 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 that's it. No. Just... Uh, no. And the only people wearing costumes are the the the, the furry bears and the uh, traffic cones are dressed up as various characters. But um, yeah, and my little bear Monty has got his uh, Dalek finger puppet on.
0: Oh yeah,
4: I've yes. got one of those. I think in my top pocket. Have you? Oh,
0: I know this is very visual, but, it is, but yeah. here it is, folks. Yeah,
4: there it is. Oh gosh, it looks wonderful. <laughs> it looks. It's, it's better. Yours have got silver bumps. Mine have yeah. got gold bumps. Yeah, yeah. Made of felt or something. Yeah. Anyway, um. Uh, Terry,
0: the last thing I think you did for Big Finish was uh, Survivors, wasn't it?
4: Yes, just recently. Yeah, yeah, indeed, which was quite a surprise to me when I, I was asked if I'd come back and do Survivors as the same character who died last year. I went, oh, that's that's going to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, now real delight to revisit the revisit the. Uh, the land of John Redgrave, yeah.
0: Yeah, because well, it's we sort of wind back
4: in time for yeah, the first episode, yeah. don't yeah, we? Yes, it's, I it's thought it's it was a, a nice. Time it's time a prequel, really. To you know, it all beginning to kick off. So it's uh, yeah, it's, it's lovely. Really good idea. Mm. Yeah. Do
0: you? Uh, the, the answer's probably no. But um, do you listen to Big Finish stuff? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah very
4: much so. Yes, I do. I'll, I'll, I'll I mean, I've loved the prisoner. I've been. been oh, I did mention people. that. Didn't yeah, you? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, I don't listen to a lot of the Doctor Who stuff because a lot of it. Although actually, I I will sometimes if I'm doing an audio book which kind of relates, you know. I'm, as I do sometimes with DVDs. If I have an audio book, I'm doing a series of things now. I'm doing one next week which is uh, called The Beast of Fang Rock, which relates obviously to the horror of Fang Rock. So I'm I'm going back and listening to some of the voices, you know, like Colin Douglas and things that that were in in the uh, in the original program because he kind of features, but we don't actually ever see the Doctor, you know, or well, we do actually from from the back of his head, right? You, <laughs> audio in, a, in in an oral sort of way.
0: <laughs> yeah, how do you do a voice for that? <laughs> uh,
4: <laughs> very carefully, <or> very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've
0: done a lot of audio books, haven't yeah. you, over the years. Yeah, yeah. it's some um, I often say to people, I mean, although obviously you're a brilliant actor and you do loads of acting and you've done hmm. lots of radio acting as well, as well as TV and
4: theatre and stuff, it's, uh, reading an audio book, it's, it's sort of a different skill, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Totally different skill. You, you're, uh, And it depends on the book as well. Um, you, you get books with long words, you know, with more than, you know, Two syllables in them, which always confuse me. me, I know, no, no. And um, I mean, the prepping is the interesting thing because you do. I mean, people think, oh, you just go in and read a book. No, no, you've got a good, probably a good week of prep beforehand, um, depending on the length of the book, of course. I mean, Barnaby Edwards is forever doing 900 page, you know, tomes about, you know, Phoenicians and and Aztecs and 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 things like that, you know, with very, very long and complicated words, you know. Um, But, Yeah, I mean, I just recently did a um, a memoir of um, that uh, uh, Peter Vaughan wrote. You know, so most of that was just, you know, first person. You know, with the occasional voice thrown in, which I didn't. What was it called? Uh, Once a villain. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. once a villain. Um, He didn't. I mean, he 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 did a little. I think he'd done a little forward to it, but uh, he uh, he can't actually see well enough to read that for that length of time. so, that, yeah, that was interesting. But then, you know, I've got, you know, you do another one. I've been asked to do another one, which involves Peter and Tegan and Turlow and all of that lot, you know, and suddenly you've got a whole load of voices that have got to come in there as well, yeah. which, which takes more time in recording as well than actually just a straight read of a, you know, manuscript of some sort. Um, and it, it's, it's pacing the thing and pacing yourself because you can get very, very tired in those things. I mean, I use an iPad. Right, as I think a lot of people do, and um, there's a great trick where you reverse the colours, so you're actually reading white on black. Oh yes, and it actually just reduces the eye strain immeasurably. Oh, does it? It Really does. It. I'm making a note of that. Yeah, no. When I first <laughs> when I was first told about it, I went, "Wow, that does make a difference." Wow. It just uh, because it, you're not fighting the white to get through to the black. Yeah, it's the white comes at you first. So you're just seeing the white letters rather than the black background, and it's uh, so um, that helps a lot. Um. Do you annotate? The-
0: them with uh, you know because when you're reading a book, this yeah. is a problem I have. I'm probably just re- revealing my stupidity
4: here, yeah. but
0: uh, and of course you've read it a few times yeah. before you actually go in to record it. But sometimes a line starts, and if you and you know you can't remember exactly who's always speaking, yeah. and then, and then you you've done your doctor voice, and then it says For Teagan. said Teagan. You think, yes. uh, <laughs> I mean, do you, I quite often write the character names in front of the dialogue? Right. If I think it's not going to be obvious. Yeah.
4: No, um, I, I just mark them up different colours. So, but I'm learning a lot here. Terry. <laughs> I'll just put a yellow marker on the, the main character, and then I, I'll grade the markers as well according to gender. So, you know, the lighter, you know, lighter bluey, pinky colours will be the, you know, the female characters, and the slightly darker and more menacing ones. Red'll always be the villain, you know. You know, so you're just backmarking them with, with with a colour, so you you can see it coming, you know, and it doesn't give you too much of a surprise. But um, yeah. The pink colours for women. Did you say that? No, I didn't say that at all. <laughs> I said the lighter colours. You know, like there are several male characters that I do pink. Do you? Which ones? Um, Larry Grayson was one. Oh
0: yes, yes. <laughs> Shut that door.
4: Uh, oh, look at the muck in here. Um, <laughs>
0: yes. I see. Yes. How many books have you read that have Larry Grayson in? No, that's a stupid
4: question. Um. They all, they all have Larry. Well I always do, do his voice do somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> one of my car- I stop characters is, is Larry Grayson do turns you, up somewhere.
0: Do you do uh, little descriptions of the voices you're going to do for different characters? I do
4: have to, if I'm doing a series of books, I, otherwise I'll have forgotten by the time I get to the second book which could be three months later, whether that character has got a Geordie accent or a, you know, what it's alright colour coding them to know the differentiation of voices but you then got to remember what... What distinctive dialect you'd given that particular person? Yeah, that's the you thing. And you think, oh my god, who, who's, I'm, I've got this problem with with, it, was, with something now, and I'm thinking, oh god, I'd, did I do Owen as Cornish or Welsh? I can't remember now. You know, so I'm actually having to listen to listen to the audio of the first one to pick it back up again. You know,
0: so I touched on it just now, but I didn't actually. Is there, what I usually ask people in these podcast interviews? Two questions. The first one is, if you do listen to Big Finish, is there mm. anything that's particularly Tingling you, tingling your molecules.
4: Tingling like. my molecules. It started out as
0: agitating. Now I'm saying tingling. I don't yeah, know why. Yeah. Uh, about Big Finish, anything you've listened to recently that yeah. you particularly liked, or oh, well, had I an mean, opinion on?
4: Yeah, I mean Survivors really did rock my boat. I mean, and does. Um, it's, it's it's been done so well. I mean, it's just got that essence of the programme and very dark. I mean, I like dark stories. I'm, I'm not one for the fripperies all the time. I like like a bit of, you know, light like comedies. We all yeah. don't. But um, uh, something like that which really kind of gets at the nerve endings and, and pulls up all sorts of uh, different... Um, I just popped, didn't I?
0: Actually, no. Did I not? This waf- I, I, I my little my Little, little uh, furry,
4: furry friend. Microphone <laughs> thing. I can't think of the
0: word. What do you call it? Muff... <laughs> Terry Malloy just said "muff" in the Big Finish podcast. Um, Yeah, I don't think that was a pop, but anyway, who cares? No, who cares?
4: Who cares? Um, Yeah, Yeah. I mean, Survivors was great. Am I say? I love Prisoner. Um, It's, it's, I do like some of the the classic stuff coming back. It's, it's, it's great to hear memories that you know I grew up with. You know. but uh, you ought to be doing Journey Into Space again Journey Into, into Space, Space. Oh, wouldn't that be good so I'll Journey play the Alfie Space. Bass part yeah you, <laughs> you, you
0: would you've, if we do it you've got the part <laughs> Thank I you. I don't know whether the BBC owned that or whether it was owned I by young what, what's his name who wrote it Can't uh, remember, uh,
4: name? oh um oh, blimey I was talking about him the other day um, And no gone that's a shame Michael someone no, no. 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 Harold no I'm just no. making it
0: like that no. yeah. um uh, the other question I ask people is what's tingling your molecules in a general sense mm. with entertainment, you know, something you're watching or being to see at the theatre mm. or listen to on radio, it's in general. Um,
4: so. I don't watch a vast amount of telly. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who likes to go to bed fairly early with a book. Um, or books. Or yeah. bo- well, yeah. books, I mean, there are two, uh, there's a, uh, uh, an author called Robin Hobb, which you may or may not have heard of. She's a superb fantasy. In fact, George R.R. R. Martin says she writes fantasies that should be written. And she is an absolutely stunning fantasy writer. It's not full of, full of well, yeah, I mean, there are dragons and things like that, but it's not, that's not, they're not the main characters. It's actually the relationships with the people. And she sets it in a kind of a medieval-y, English-y kind of feel, but kind of just one dimension over and yeah. um, a very fine writer and um I love it a bit so and she's actually a good friend now um, Oh, really so uh, yeah um robin and uh, on telly at the moment I'm I'm just totally soaked with peaky blinders and, oh. and I'm looking forward to the third series coming through you know it's uh, <laughs> just really I started to rewatch it again last night. I thought I've got to start rewatching it again, right from the beginning. <gasps> Did you start from the beginning? Yeah, You know I've
0: been yeah. watching. Oh, you, you have. And, yes. I don't yeah. shut up about it no, this no. weekend. I'm no, no. like, <laughs>
4: check on it. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I love Breaking Bad. I love watching that, and and I, I leave it. I'll always go back to that. Keep on watching that again. Um, and uh, yeah, there are lots of different things like that. Mm. I'm kind of because I don't watch telly up and as it happens I, I tend to watch on Netflix or yeah. whatever you know or listen again Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, sometimes I miss the, the listen again I love a lot of the Swedish Noir as well like right. The Bridge you yes. know I really got into The Bridge and um, yeah things like that you mm. know, in my I've done a
0: lot of the subtitle the series I, the, the Revenants yeah. I, I watched the French one about the people coming back
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you see that? No, no, no.
0: no. Um, Could you just describe what Peaky Blinders is for people who don't
4: know? Right. Well, Peaky Blinders is set about 1919, just after the First World War. And it revolves around a Birmingham gang (coughs) uh, called the Peaky Blinders, so-called because they have razor blades sewn into their cap. Uh, fronts yes. when they're fighting, it's a rather useful little weapon, <laughs> and it revolves around the Shelby family. Um, and Thomas Shelby, played by Kieran Murphy, mm. and um, amazing performance, superb performance. It, yeah. uh, and Sam Neal is the most brilliant Northern Irish, deta- uh, yeah, you yeah. know, um, uh, MI5 agent. You yeah. know, absolutely stunning. And a rather jolly Winston Churchill there as well. In, in yeah, i have noticed in the second series it's someone else playing yes, Winston Churchill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously much older. Person. Much older yeah. Ch- Winston Churchill. Um, yeah, and it it's around, it's around that time and it's the interaction between the gangs and who's taking over. But the actual setting of Birmingham, which they actually shot in Liverpool, because there are still streets like that, you right. know, in Liverpool. Um it, the the you know the actually the concept of the photography and everything I just love it. It's Absolutely amazing. I love it. Isn't it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been you know seriously coming back to that again. And and when things come up, I think you know I've yet to watch House of Cards, the American version, because I was so enamoured of the English one. Yeah. That I'm it's very of, different. I'm sure yeah. it is. Yeah. I've watched, I think a series of
0: it, but then I I, yeah. ran, I ran out of time.
4: Yeah, yeah. To yeah. Watch yeah. And people keep on saying you've got to watch The Walking Dead. I thought, well, there's only so many zombies you can really enjoy. And, you know, and I find sad. that too upsetting. Yeah, no, I mean, I've seen Shaun of the Dead. What more do you need exactly, to do? Yeah. <laughs> just put that, put that on again. I yeah, like. yeah, 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 fine.
0: <laughs> so, what's uh, what are you doing for the rest of the day here? Because this is the the last. Day this of the is convention, the last
4: day of the yeah. convention. It's been a great convention. It's been yes. uh, absolutely Everyone's fabulous. Been I'm not just saying that because they're all listening. No, they're all You're yeah, all they're lovely. all lovely. <laughs> You're all lovely, and yes, that's it. Make notes and um, yeah I've got a couple of panels I've got a and a uh, later today and then I think it's the, uh, the the wonderful world of Big Finish towards the end of the afternoon yeah, which right I think right we're all involved in. Are we I not? think we
0: are with, yeah, with Paul McGann and Jason here again, Yeah yeah there? yeah
4: it's it's great to have the because uh, we've done a couple of these together haven't we before? We yeah, have yeah. yes. It's always nice. I, so, I insist
0: I? on you being here. Do you?
4: Thank you <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. you. It's part
0: of my rider
4: <laughs> <laughs> the rider doesn't tend to extend to actually me working for Big Finish much, but oh well. well let,
0: let me let, leave that
4: with me. leave that. I will. I will. <laughs> no, I do, I do. I uh, do. I do work for Big Finish a lot, uh,
0: and let's just make it a lot more.
4: Let's make it a lot more. Yeah. okay
0: right. Thanks, Terry.
4: My pleasure, Nick.
0: <laughs> I might edit that closer together.
4: Yeah. <laughs> it, oh no, no, no. Leave the pause. It's, mm. it's that kind of. Who are you again? <laughs> yes. um nick <laughs>
0: thanks to terry malloy there and now our random revisiting of a production from the big Finish archive activate the random selectoroid thingy
2: oh.
0: and this is very random and completely off message The Scarifiers, The Devil of Denge Marsh. It's not even a big finished production, but it is a range we distribute on the site. And it's it's brilliant, actually. Um, It's produced by those really talented chaps at Baffle Gab, Paul Morris and Simon Barnard. And I remember this one from my old BBC Radio 7 job presenting on the 7th Dimension. Actually, I still do that job, but the station has uh, been rebranded as BBC Radio 4 Extra. Anyway... Who, what, why and how are the scarifiers? I hear you crying out. Do I? Yes Uh, The Scarifiers is a series of rip-roaring tales Of comedic supernatural intrigue It says on the website And it's true Set in the 1930s in Britain Distilling the likes of Dick Barton The Avengers The Devil Rides Out And Quatermass Into cracking new audio adventures Described in the national press As rollicking good fun A slice of audio perfection The smartest and most enjoyable thing On British radio And like Tintin But with the lights out Which is my favourite (laughs) The series stars David Warner, Terry Malloy and Nicholas Courtney in new double CD full cast dramas. You can also download it naturally from the Big Finish site. And in uh, The Devil of Denge Marsh, the Scarifiers return in their second full length adventure made quite some time ago now. There's a melting minister, a scientific project gripped by madness, a remote village on the Kent coast where the locals have some strange habits. Indeed, it's all just the ticket for top secret government department M. MI-13 Lionheart and Dunning are back to do battle with the Women's Institute an old adversary and an interdimensional being from the dawn of time the devil of Denge Marsh rather appropriate for this podcast actually because of course Terry Malloy uh, co-stars in this with the late, great, much missed Nicholas Courtney aka the Brigadier and Doctor Who obviously, lovely man
4: I really miss him Anyway, here's the blooming trailer. What is this apparatus I'm attached to? It says on the label it's a Polynesian witch chair. All I need to do is remove this peg and... Aha! You're off! You seem to have set me on a slow descent to the floor. Am I supposed to be scared?
2: Shabney. Shabney-gura.
4: What's that then, Welsh? No. Worse than that.
2: It. Oh! oh, Mrs. Willow, your your,
4: your nightdress seems to have come undone. Oh, good Lord. Christ alive,
3: what are you doing in my toilet? Professor, how are you?
4: I'm cold. If I'd known I was going to be offered as a human sacrifice, I'd have brought a coat. Christ, no! Dear
2: God! No!
3: The Scary Fires, the Devil of Denge Marsh, coming soon. It may be from another dimension, but it doesn't like the taste of hot steel.
0: So just before I tell you about the next podcast, here are the latest releases from Big Finish. It's worth mentioning that all three stories include big plot twists. So it might be a good idea if you avoid the Internet before listening to them. (laughs) Avoid the Internet. The very thought. How's that going to happen? Doctor Who The Two Masters by John Dorney. The blockbuster finale to our biggest trilogy yet featuring Sylvester McCoy, Jeffrey Beavers and Alex McQueen. Rocketmen, Gorlons, ancient cultists and the heretic all await the Masters at the end of everything while the Doctor meets a new friend Jemima played by Lauren Crace. Here's a clip.
1: I cannot- need to collect some data. I'll get that, then I'll leave. Please, it's essential. Hands in the air. Do we have to do this? We don't have much time. In the air, now. Oh, if you insist. This ship belongs to the rocket men. To the... You've heard of us? I'm acquainted with you, yes. And if that's the case, I'll need you to help me. Let me go. I can't stay. I'm not doing that. You must. This place, this time, it all ceases to exist in approximately 30 minutes. What? There's a bomb in here. Are you threatening me? No, I'm simply telling you the facts. That's why I had to land. Listen. I'm a time traveller I. My ship, this box, is called the TARDIS It detected an anomaly in space-time The section of history I was about to pass through The section 30 minutes from now Simply wasn't there anymore The future, your future, wasn't present A huge chunk of reality wiped from existence If I hadn't performed an emergency materialisation I'd have been erased too I don't understand That makes two of us but I might be able to, understand, eventually, with a little investigation, if you let me go.
0: Released later today, Monday the 13th of June. Listen ASAP to avoid spoilers. <laughs> Doctor Who, The Trouble with Drax. Also by John Dorney. Does he never stop? Of course he doesn't. Our second Time Lord reunion from John Dorney this month, featuring the return of Drax, now played by Ray Brooks, stepping in for the late, great Barry Jackson. Drax recruits the Doctor, Leela and K9 for a heist to the lost city of Altrazar, along with a group of the galaxy's worst criminals. With police, paradoxes and worse on their trail, can our heroes possibly hope to steal the legendary Enigma casket? I don't know why I said casket like that. Anyway here's a clip.
3: Oh come on, come on. Definitely here somewhere. Not that one. Ah. Oh. Oh, beauty. Come on, don't go missing Oh! Step away from your TARDIS, Time Lord! Grunther, mate! Running out on me, Drax? What, running? Me? No! The game was not yet complete. You promised me an opportunity to win back my losses. And you was going to have it, you waltzness, of course you was, only there's a lot of unsavory types around here, you know, thieves, pickpockets, hedge fund managers, bit scary, thought I'd lock the cash away for safekeeping, you know, literally, in a safe.
2: It was
3: an altruistic act. What can I say? Selfishness incarnate, that's me. Then why not exit through the main gateway? Why opt for the bathroom window? Didn't want to draw attention to myself, did I? Return the map! The money you may keep, but return the map and I may just let you live. Oh no, I won that fair and square. You know the rules never gamble what you can't afford to lose. Which is why it was foolish gambling your life on this escapade. Hey, I know you were cheating, Time Lord. What? I'm hurt, Grunther. You come into the quick, me old china. Had a good hand, that's all. A royal flush. Ace high. I know, unbeatable. What are the odds? Extremely large, considering I was holding four aces myself. Well, we're not playing Spanish rules. I will recover.
0: Guest stars include John Chalice, Scorby, uh, Hugh Fraser, Miranda Raisin, Jane Slavin and John Banks. John Banks. How can we can't do anything without John Banks? It's released tomorrow, Tuesday, the 14th of June. If everything goes to plan. Doctor Who Lost and Found by Penelope Faith. In our latest Short Trips release, Dark Shadows writer Penelope Faith brings us a new adventure for the Second Doctor, Ben and Polly, narrated by Annika Wills, who of course played Polly. Post-World War II London finds an alien war underway in a certain London department store. Can Polly trust the newly regenerated Second Doctor to save the day? I'm not taking any bets. Right, before we plunge back into the Grimp and Mire to find out how Holmes and Watson are getting on with the Hound of the Baskervilles. Just, I don't, the Hound of the Baskervilles isn't German. I don't know why I did that accent. Just time to teaser not taser you with what's coming up in uh, next Monday's podcast. That's Monday, the 20th of June, 2016, by the way. Well, over the next two podcasts, We've got a couple of guests by the name of Tom. Tom Baker and Tom Spilsbury, the editor of Doctor Who magazine. I know he's not as famous, but, you know, he's my mate. And he's brilliant. Uh, Which one will be next week? Well, you will just have to wait and see. (laughs) In the meantime, it's a big goodbye from me, Nick Briggs, and from
1: Ben. Bye!
0: Thanks, Ben. Have you you enjoyed the podcast?
1: Yes. And bye again.
0: Would you like to go back and play Disney Infinity?
1: Bye, yes.
0: So why is it part 11 of a nine-part serialisation of Sherlock Holmes' The Hound of the Baskervilles? Who can tell? Suffice it to say, Holmes and Watson have worked out that Stapleton is out to kill Henry Baskerville to gain his considerable inheritance. But why, and how, and who, and why, and what's all this business about a big dog? Could this be the final episode? I sincerely don't know. Let's find out.
5: holmes was a foot before i the following morning and had already informed the police of selden's death he then expressed his regret to baskerville that he and i needs must return to london despite sir henry's protestations holmes persuaded the baronet that he must remain at the hall alone the detective asked that i leave my things as a pledge that i would return and send a note to stapleton to tell him that i very much lamented that i would be unable to dine that night as we departed Holmes gave very specific instructions to Sir Henry that he should take his trap to the Stapleton's, but then to send it home and announce he was to walk home from Merripit House. I was much astounded by this programme, though I remembered that Holmes had said to Stapleton on the night before that his visit would terminate next day. It had not crossed my mind, however, that he would wish me to go with him, nor could I understand how we could both be absent at a moment which he himself declared to be critical. And straightway... After breakfast, Holmes and I departed in the buggy for Coombe Tracy. A couple of hours afterwards, we were at the station and had dispatched the trap upon its return journey. Immediately, a small lad was with us, asking Holmes for orders. This must have been the fellow who had kept him in food during his sojourn among the ancient hillside huts. He handed Holmes a telegram.
0: You will take this train to town, Cartwright. The moment you arrive, you will send a wire to Sir Henry Baskerville in my name to say that if he finds the pocketbook which I have dropped, he is to send it by registered post to Baker Street. Now Watson, kindly read this telegram. Wire received.
5: Coming down with unsigned warrant. Arrive 540,
0: Lestrade. That is in answer to one I sent this morning. Inspector Lestrade is the best of the professionals and we may need his assistance. Now, Watson, I think that we cannot employ our time better than by calling upon your acquaintance, Mrs. Laura Lyons.
5: Mrs. Laura Lyons was in her office, and Sherlock Holmes opened his interview with a frankness and directness which considerably amazed
0: her. I'm investigating the circumstances which attended the death of the late Sir Charles Baskerville. My friend here, Dr Watson, has informed me of what you have communicated and also of what you have withheld in connection with that matter.
2: What I have withheld? I wish
0: to be perfectly frank with you, Mrs Lyons. We regard this case as one of murder, and the evidence may implicate not only your friend Mr Stapleton, but his wife as well.
2: His wife? He is not a married man.
0: The fact is no longer a secret. The person who has passed for his sister is really his wife. Here is a photograph of the couple taken in York four years ago. It has endorsed Mr and Mrs Vandeleur, but you will have no difficulty in recognising him and her also if you know her by sight.
2: Uh, Miss Holmes, this man had offered me marriage on condition that I could get a divorce from my husband. He has lied to me, the villain, in every conceivable way. Ask me what you like and there is nothing which I shall hold back.
0: The sending of this letter was suggested to you by Stapleton.
2: He dictated it.
0: I presume that the reason he gave was that you would receive help from Sir Charles for the legal expenses connected with your divorce? Exactly. And then after you had sent the letter, he dissuaded you from keeping the appointment?
2: He told me that it would hurt his self-respect that any other man should find the money for removing the obstacles which divided us.
0: And you heard nothing until you read the reports of the death in the paper? No. And he made you swear to say nothing about your appointment with Sir Charles?
2: He did. He said that the death was a very mysterious one, and that I should certainly be suspected if the facts came out. He frightened me into remaining silent.
0: I think that on the whole you have had a fortunate escape. You have had him in your power, and he knew it, and yet you are alive. We must wish you good morning now, Mrs Lyons. It is probable that you will shortly hear from us again.
5: We left and returned to the railway station in time to meet the 5.40 train. The London Express came roaring into the station, and a small, wiry bulldog of a man had sprung from a first-class carriage. We all three shook hands, and I saw at once, from the reverential way in which Lestrade gazed at my companion, that he had learned a good deal since the days when they had
0: first worked together.
4: Anything good, the biggest thing for years.
2: One
5: of Sherlock Holmes's defects, if indeed one may call it a defect, was that he was exceedingly loath to communicate his full plans to any other person until the instant of their fulfilment. The result was very trying for those who were acting as his agents and assistants. My nerves thrilled with anticipation when at last the cold wind upon our faces and the dark void spaces on either side of the narrow road told me that we were back upon the moor once again. We did not drive up to the door of Baskerville Hall, but got down near the gate of the avenue. The wagonette was paid off and ordered to return to Coombe Tracy forthwith, while we started to walk to Merripit House. Are
0: you armed, Lestrade?
5: As long as I have my trousers, I have a hip pocket. And as long as I have my hip pocket, I have something in it.
0: Good. I see the lights of the house ahead of us, and the end of our journey. I must request you to walk on tiptoe, and not to talk above a whisper.
5: We moved cautiously along the track, as if we were bound for the house, but Holmes halted us when we were about 200 yards from it. This will do.
0: These rocks upon the right make an admirable screen. We shall make our little ambush here. Get into this hollow, Lestrade. Watson? Yes, Holmes? You know the lie of the land best. Creep forward quietly, and see what they're doing. But for heaven's sake, Don't let them know that they are watched. I
5: tiptoed down the path and stooped behind the low wall which surrounded the stunted orchard. Creeping in its shadow, I reached a point whence I could look straight through the uncurtained window. There were only two men in the room, Sir Henry and Stapleton, smoking cigars, coffee and wine in front of them. As I watched them, Stapleton rose and left the room, while Sir Henry filled his glass again and leaned back in his chair, puffing at his cigar. I saw Stapleton walk across the drive and pause at the door of an outhouse. He was only a minute or so inside, and then I heard the key turn once more, and he passed me and re-entered the house. I saw him rejoin his guest and I crept quietly back to where my companions were waiting to tell them what I had seen. The lady is not there. I cannot think where she is. Over the great Grimpen mire there hung a dense white fog. As it flowed onward we fell back before it until we were half a mile from the house and still that dense white sea with the moon silvering its upper edge swept slowly and inexorably on. The sound of quick steps broke the silence of the moor. Sure enough, it was Sir Henry Baskerville. Following this, there came a crisp, continuous patter from somewhere in the heart of the fog.
4: Look out! It's coming!
5: A dreadful shape had sprung out upon us from the shadows. A hound it was, an enormous coal-black hound, but not such a hound as mortal eyes have ever seen. Fire burst from its open mouth. Its eyes glowed with a smouldering glare. Its muzzle and hackles were outlined in flickering flame. Never in the delirious dream of a disordered brain could anything more savage, more appalling, more hellish be conceived than that dark form and savage face which broke upon us out of the wall of fog. With long bounds, the huge black creature was leaping down the track, following hard upon the footsteps of our friend. So paralysed were we by the apparition that we allowed him to pass before we had recovered our nerve. Holmes and I both fired together. But although the creature gave a hideous howl, he did not pause. But that cry of pain from the Hound had blown all our fears to the winds. If he was vulnerable, he was mortal. And if we could wound him, we could kill him. Never have I seen a man run as Holmes ran that night. Ah! We flew up the track and I was in time to see the beast spring upon its victim, hurl him to the ground and worry at his throat. Ah! Ah! Holmes had emptied five barrels of his revolver into the creature's flank. With a last howl of agony and a vicious snap in the air, it rolled upon its back four feet pouring furiously and then fell limp upon its side. I stooped, panting, and pressed my pistol to the dreadful, shimmering head. But it was useless to press the trigger. The giant hound was dead. My God,
2: what was it? What in heaven's name was it?
0: It's dead, whatever it is. We've laid the family ghost once and forever
5: i bent to examine the hound it was not a pure bloodhound and it was not a pure mastiff but it appeared to be a combination of the two gaunt savage and as large as a small lioness i placed my hand upon its glowing muzzle and as i held them up my own fingers smoldered and gleamed in the darkness a cunning preparation
0: of phosphorus We owe you a deep apology, Sir Henry. I was prepared for a hound, but not for such a creature as this. And the fog gave us little time to receive him. You have saved my life. The rest of our work must be done, and every moment is of importance. We have our case, and now we only want our man. Upon
5: our return to Merripit House, we found the front door open, so we rushed in and hurried from room to room to the amazement of a doddering old man-servant who met us in the passage. No sign could we see of the man whom we were chasing. On the upper floor, however, one of the bedroom doors was locked.
3: There's someone in here. I can hear a movement.
5: Open this door! Holmes struck the door just over the lock with the flat of his foot, and it flew open. There. In the centre there was an upright beam which had been placed at some period as a support for the old worm-eaten bulk of timber which spanned the roof. To this post a figure was tied, so swathed and muffled in sheets that one could not tell whether it was that of a man or a woman. In a minute we had torn off the gag, unswayed the bonds, and Mrs Stapleton sank upon the floor in front of us. As her beautiful head fell upon her chest. I saw the clear red wheel of a whiplash across her neck.
0: A brute. Here, Lestrade, your brandy bottle. Put her in the chair. She has fainted from ill usage and exhaustion.
2: Is he safe? Has he escaped?
0: He cannot escape us, madam.
2: No, 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 my husband. I meant Sir Henry. Is he safe? Yes. And the hound? It is dead. Oh, thank God. Oh, this villain... See how he has treated me.
5: She shot her arms out from her sleeves,
0: and we saw with horror that they were all mottled with bruises. You bear him no goodwill, madam. Tell us then where we shall find him.
2: There is an old tin mine on an island in the heart of the mire. It was there that he kept his hound. That is where he would fly.
0: No one could find his way into the Grimpen Mire tonight.
2: <laughs> he may find his way in, but never out. How can he see the guiding wands he and I planted to mark the pathway through the mire? Oh, if I could only have plucked them out today! Then, indeed, you would have had him at your mercy.
5: It was evident to us that all pursuit was in vain until the fog had lifted. We left Lestrade in possession of the house while Holmes and I went back with the Baronet to Baskerville Hall. The story of the Stapletons could no longer be withheld from him. But he took the blow bravely when he learned the truth about the woman whom he had loved. But the shock of the knight's adventures had shattered his nerves, and before morning he lay delirious in a high fever under the care of Dr Mortimer. The two of them were destined to travel together round the world, before Sir Henry had become once more the hale, hearty man that he had been before he became master of that ill-omened estate. And now I come rapidly to the conclusion of this singular narrative. (coughs) On the morning after the death of the hound, the fog had lifted, and we were guided by Mrs Stapleton to the point where they had found a pathway through the bog. Small wands, planted here and there, showed where the path zigzagged from tuft to tuft of rushes, among those green-scummed pits and foul quagmires. A single false step plunged us more than once thigh-deep into the dark, quivering mire, and its tenacious grip plucked at our heels as if some malignant hand was tugging us down into those obscene depths. Once only we saw a trace that someone had passed that perilous way before us. From amid a tuft of cotton grass, which bore it up out of the slime, some dark thing was projecting. Holmes sank to his waist as he stepped from the path to seize it, and had we not been there to drag him out, he could never have set his foot upon firm land again. He held an old black leather object in the air.
0: It is our friend Sir Henry's missing boot. Thrown there by Stapleton in his flight. We know at least that he came
5: this far in safety. But more than that, we were never destined to know. Though there was much which we might surmise. If the earth told a true story, then Stapleton never reached that island of refuge, towards which he struggled through the fog upon that last night. Somewhere in the heart of the great Grimpen Mire, down in the foul slime of the huge morass which had sucked him in, this cold and cruel-hearted man is forever ever buried. Many traces we found of him and his savage ally. Beside the crumbling remains of the abandoned mine we found a quantity of gnawed bones and some tins which showed where the animal had been
0: confined. Stapleton could hide his hound, but he could not hush its voice, and hence came those cries which even in daylight were not pleasant to hear. It was only on the supreme day which he regarded as the end of all his efforts that he dared keep the hound in the outhouse at Merripit. This paste in the tins is no doubt the luminous mixture with which the creature was daubed. No wonder the poor devil of a convict ran and screamed, even as our friend did, and as we ourselves might have done, when he saw such a creature bounding through the darkness of the moor upon his track. It was a cunning device, for, apart from the chance of driving your victim to his death, what peasant would venture to inquire too closely into such a creature, should he get sight of it, as many have done upon the moor? I tell you, Watson, never yet have we helped to hunt down a more dangerous man. Never yet. <laughs>